we can see clearly now 2020's gone. Hey, we still have two more days. Like, just, you know, knock on wood there, sir. Knock on wood. I am going to full-blown pretend it's over. <laughs> well, hopefully anyone listening to this is already in 21, right? We're not when, publishing until then. So. Once this comes out, it's already, it's gone. It's over. So as long as this gets published and the world doesn't end in the next, like, 48 hours, we got it. We did it, everybody. Congratulations. Isn't it weird that, like, this is sort of like time traveling? Kind of, yeah. Right? Especially because you think about, like, actions will be taken between now and this cast coming out. But yet, by the time someone's listening to it, those actions will be irrelevant. Nobody will have known what I had for breakfast the next couple of days. That's true. Lost in the annals of time. Lost in the annals of time. <laughs> you know, if only today, this week's episode were actually about time travel, this would have been a pretty good setup. It would have been great, but it's not at all. No, <laughs> no, not even close. We can take a trip back in time to the favorite movies that were new to us in 2020. It's like going down memory lane, except the memory lane's not that far. It's like the memory small alleyway. <laughs> it's like a, right. It's like a memory car park. You just go, just go back to where you were. But that said, given that 2020 did in fact last, I think it's like 63 months, something like that. You know, in a way, it's a long lane. It's a really long lane. Yeah, but that is so. We what we're doing this week is our top 20. So our top five 2020 new to me movies. Yeah, to, well, we could do a top 20 if you want. I don't know. We could do as many uh, as we want. In, in a way, it's actually surprising given the amount of time at home we had this year. We should be dealing with lists of like hundreds of movies by now. Yeah. Yet I don't know about you, JT. Uh, you know, my mine's in the low. You know, the low dozens. The low dozens. Yeah. So what I realized in doing this is that. I am at a pretty significant disadvantage with a four-year-old because we watch the same movies a ton. So it's not that I have not seen hundreds of movies this year. I just have seen 10 of the same movies a hundred times and then probably about 20 to 30 other movies. (laughs) If you had to go, you know, if you had to bet, bet against your Netflix history, what would you, or or probably your Disney plus history, what would you guess was your most if you could get the stat on it, what do you think would have been your most rewatched Doodoo Lennon uh, movie of the year? Oh, Frozen 2. Oh, yeah. It's not close. No. And and are we in the teens worth of watching? Uh, it's hard to say because it's not like we watch the movie in its entirety, right? We, we will watch like 45 minutes of it and then go back to it the next day. But like mm-hmm. we're wet, as far as how many times we've loaded that movie, well over 25. And has there ever been a doubleheader... Frozen 2 followed by Frozen 2. Like straight, straight back to back. Like 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 roll credits. Hit <laughs> restart from beginning. Rewind the DVD. <laughs> no, I don't think we've ever gone directly back to back. But like if you give us 12 hours of sleep and wake back up and go, what do you want to watch? Frozen 2, for sure. We've definitely done that. Nice. Nice. Uh, I happen to have what I'd say is almost the opposite kids. My kids have never been huge. Re- even at that age... Like when Frozen, the original came out, I think my daughter might, was probably also like three or four. For whatever reason, we all my friends were like, okay, yeah, how many times have you seen that one? I'm like, I don't know, once, one and a half. It was really weird. 
Yeah, no, Lennon is a cyclical watcher. We we did Trolls for a while. We did Trolls World Tour for a while. We did Coco for a while. We did Frozen 2 for a while. It's usually in chunks, but Frozen 2 all year has been a, at any given moment if that movie comes up or is in her brain, it could go on. Um, but we don't like it. It's weird. We, most of what she actually watches is like zoo shows for some reason. I have no idea why, but whatever. Hmm. But yeah, I've seen I've seen Frozen 2 enough to appreciate lots of little things about it now. <laughs> So does that is that going to be on your uh, is that your Shawshank for the year? Uh, it's 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 not because I saw it last year. I saw it. Uh, first came out. <laughs> too bad. Too it is bad. too bad. But that is a great segue into we do have to talk. So Shawshank, Shawshank for those of you who don't remember is the most rewatchable movie of all time. So we have the Shawshank rule. Uh, is there a movie that would be new to you in 2020 that you think is Shawshankable, Jared? JT, for this week, I have one Shawshank. And yourself? Uh, I didn't have one, but now I do have one, so I've got one. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on limb. I'll go with mine, but I have a hunch you're gonna say the same one. Just okay. just I got a, I got a gut on this. Um, Hamilton. Yeah, Hamilton. Yeah. So there it is. I think that's that's kind of it's- that. It's a singular movie. I don't think we need to talk about it. But what we so Hamilton was incredible and we're done. What we do need to talk about is Alphadeus, which if you don't remember, is Amadeus and Elf, which are two movies that we have talked about multiple times on the cast. And so we have now combined that into the Alphadeus category, which is movies that maybe probably would have been on the list, but we've covered in enough detail that they don't really belong here anymore. So Jeremy, do you have any Alphadeus nominees? I do. And is more than one Alpha Deus, Alpha Deuses, or Alpha Dei? I think it's Alpha Dei. <laughs> okay. Uh, I have three. By the way, my, my mild shift on the take of that, just so you know how I'm interpreting it, it's not necessarily that they don't belong at all. It's almost more, I just don't feel like talking about them this week because I've talked about them enough on the podcast. Yeah, this, that's that's more what I meant. I apologize if I didn't say it that way. No, no. All good. Just, just confirming. I got So I got three Alpha Dei. And yourself? Uh, I've got two. So I think I've got one for both our lists. Well, let's see. So let's for this one, let's do our let's do our five our five letter word sort of like quick summary. Sure. I'll go first since the three it just pairs nicely. Sure. You know what I'm going. I do. First one, JT should have watched in 2019. Oh boy, that could be lots of things, but is it my guess for this one that I wrote is Jason Bourne, Batman car. That is Ford versus Ferrari. I do believe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I've got that one too. <laughs> I, I said that because for me, this is a fun movie, but this is so much more your absolute wheelhouse of movie. Yeah. I totally missed this one in 2019 for no good reason. And have now watched yeah. it more than once. Yeah. Cause it's, it's, yeah, this is on my list for sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, second one, Michael Caine as con artist. Oh, why can't I can't think of the name of this movie? I don't, I don't know. know. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Oh, so you rewatched Dirty Rotten Scoundrels this year? That's right for the Kane episode, right? I I, I rewatch no, I rewatched it earlier in the year with, to show the kids because I thought it'd be fun, and then talked about it during the Michael Kane episode. So felt like I've talked about this enough recently. So I'm alpha deusing it. 
Fair enough. Uh, important note here. So new to me, we did have a little bit of caveat, which is if, if you had not seen it in like 10 plus years, then we could bring it back in. So That's clearly right. Jeremy had seen Dirty Rotten Scoundrels before, but it had been a long period of time. So it was like watching it for the first time. Exactly. All right. My next one is not going to be on your list and you still haven't seen it. And we've talked about how you haven't seen it so many times. This is like the fourth different time I've explained it in a different way. So best friends depart, but happily... Is that that uh, sickly in love, truly madly? What's that? Uh, truly madly deeply? Is that the one you wanted me to watch? No, oh, that's a Savage Some... Garden song. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like them. Um, I like that song though, but they had this other song that really annoyed me. It's the one. It's a rom com. You said I would like it, and uh, what's it called? No, no, you watched. You watched that. You're thinking of the one with Kamel, which you saw. No, I'm not thinking that one. I'm thinking another one that you recommended to me. Oh, I don't know. Recently. No, I'm t- this. This is Toy Story Four. Oh yeah, I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my other Alpha Deus entry is Michael Caine as con artist. Uh, so this is, and again, for some reason, I can't think of the name, but I think this is. I just rewatched this too, and now, uh, oh wait, give me a second. I can definitely. I I have to be able to get there. How can I not get there with this? Mm. Uh, I don't know. I don't think you've seen it because it came up. It, it came up on our uh, long, uh, either the longest one or the or and or the 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 Michael Caine Hackman theory one, which was uh, Man Who Would Be King. Oh yeah, no, I haven't seen it. Okay, right, yeah. So that one you did watch for the podcast, though, right? I did. And what happened was, as I was putting together the list uh, in the old spreadsheet, there I was, I was realizing that. I really, really liked the movie a lot. And it was definitely in the, I haven't watched it in 20 plus years, so it fit the category. And then I was like, but I talked about it like two weeks ago, so I don't want to talk about it anymore. Totally fair. However, that brings up the perfect opportunity for us to talk about the spreadsheet. Jeremy, how did you orchestrate your spreadsheet this week for such a sort of like different kind of category? This was a challenging spreadsheet week, I got to be honest, because there was no binding theme other than did I watch it in 2020 right? And possibly or possibly rediscovered in 2020. So I kept it pretty simple. Uh, there are a mere five categories, the movie itself, the uh, cast. I put in one for originality because I felt like I was going to probably be judging mostly new movies. So it could be a great movie, but like, if it wasn't something I considered new to the oeuvre, then maybe it wasn't <laughs> worth putting in here. I put in rewatchability. Do I expect to rewatch this in the future? And then I made one up called theater worthy. Given that 2020 had me watch all of this from home, how much did I feel that having seen it in the theater might've given it a bump? And like, is it just straight up a theater wor- theater worthy movie? So that you know was, what? One of the things I appreciate about you is every week's on your spreadsheets, there's one category that I didn't see coming, and that's a really good one again. That's a great, that's like theater worries, it would have been a really cool lens to go this through. So I might actually think through that on my list the entire time. That's fun. Thanks, buddy. So this week's scoring ranges from a low of 22.5 to a high of 74.5. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Pretty pretty wide range. But that's because some of the bottom movies here were in the, 
Yeah, I did happen to see them this year, and ooh, were they terrible. Yeah. I got so a, I got a couple of them. I got a big list of those. But before we go, I have a yet-to-be-used category that we've discussed before that I've got an entry for this week, JT. Are you ready? I'm ready. In the Xanadu's category. <laughs> now, this one is the... Movie that JT or myself, for me, it was Xanadu. For him, it's uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. (laughs) Movies that we acknowledge are not, in fact, good movies, but we have some strong nostalgia, affinity, uh, pivotal moment in life, whatever it is, that makes it a movie that we can stomach easily, while others might be, how could you possibly watch this wretched thing? So I have a Xanadu's entry. Go on. Five words. 80s movie dude video game. Oh. Oh, no. This is this is one of the would you watches that you must have rewatched, and I can't remember which one it is. What, which one it is, is it? not. You've seen this movie. Oh, I have? I'll, 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 I'll redo my five words for a sec. 80s movie, video game, dude. And if I could use an indefinite article, it's The Dude. Oh. Oh, 80s movie. Oh, it's Tron. Yes. (laughs) Got it. (laughs) Uh, So we rewatched Tron, and it hit every beat for me as a nostalgic entry. But watching it, I was like, this movie's not very good. It has many things that make no sense. It violates Chekhov's gun. Like, Chekhov's gun is not only misfired, it blew up in the shooter's face. (laughs) It just doesn't... It, it it doesn't work at a lot of levels. I will see it again sometime in the next 40 years. Mark my words. But uh, yeah, we'll just leave it right on where I just left it. That's fair. I, I have no Xanadu's, uh, but I do think this week it's my turn to start the top five. Is that correct, sir? It is. And do you have any order you're going to take us through or just no, take so it as they lie? Fun enough. Um, I did very little prep work or research this week, this is going to be a almost entirely from the hip episode for me uh, because I struggled so bad to put the list together just to remember what movies like we were talking about this before, but like HBO, when it flipped to HBO max, you lost your watch history. Like my family has four, three different accounts and Netflix and I didn't go through all of them. So like I watched some stuff, but I'm sure there's movies I watched with my wife on her account, but I didn't look through her history. Oh, I didn't even think about doing that. You're totally <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I got I got some lost one, lost lost ones out there for that reason. Yeah, definitely. And it's just so I was trying to think through all of them and I know I missed some. So instead, I was just like, you know what? I like the list. These are the ones that came to the top of mind. I'm going to go through it. So I'm going to freak it. So I'm just going to kind of like make it up. That being said, there's the only order I will go in is there's one I absolutely want to start with. Okay. This movie came out on July 20th, 1979, and it's a 91 on Metacritic. Uh, are you going to identify, is it truly new to you or a have the, the 10 plus year rewatch? This was brand new to me this year. 91 Metacritic. Okay. Cause there was what I'm thinking of from the seventies, but I didn't re- I don't think it had that high of Metacritic. So the movie I'm thinking of, uh, is it breaking away? It's breaking away. I'm very happy right now. And that's why I wanted to start with this one. <laughs> awesome. 91, huh? So, yeah, which honestly, thinking back on watching this, I don't disagree. 
Like I did a would you watch on this, so I don't want to go deep into it again. This one easily could have been an Alpha Deus for me, but like it's not because that's how much I enjoyed this movie. I've thought about this particular film multiple times when watching other films this year and huh. holding it up as a, if they could pace that well, then there's no excuse for poor pacing now. Okay. Fair. Because as slow as that movie was, it was deliberate. And like, there's a lot of individual scenes in that. Like there's five scenes that stick out in my head right now, having not watched it since I first watched it that are still very much like ingrained in me as in, oh, I remember that part in this movie. I remember this part in this movie, which is rare. Like that's not something that happens more. Like if I can remember two or three things from a movie, that means the movie's usually, I, I liked it at least. Remembering and vividly remembering five of them is very strange. So, so you're, you're I, saying five like sequences from the movie? No. So like two sequences and then three little moments that I just thought were really, really clever. So your sequences are the truck race and then the final yep. race. Yes. And your three moments, I'm going to go with the son and dad having a talk by when he talks about what being a cutter meant as one of the three. Uh, no, but that's another one that I actually probably, so uh, maybe, maybe there's six. There might be actually, there might be six things now. I, I, are they guess? I, I would maybe guess that the uh, serenade scene, maybe. Not the serenade scene either. Okay. So oh, I, uh, I know the um, the Cyril Cyril being alone at the celebration. Yes. Yep. That one st- that one sticks out to me in such a serious way. Maybe when they have the little race swimming race and uh, what's his name realizes he's not so good Dennis Quaid. No, but a scene that happened on those same rocks when they first open and talk about moving from 16 to 18, that entire little ah. dialogue is so strong. And it's, it opens the movie. Right. All right. Yeah, what's your last one? Oh, uh, the, the, the not kissing. The, uh, the, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. There you go. Yeah. When Moocher and Nancy never actually kiss. <laughs> nice. So yeah, I this movie, it's funny. When I was putting my list together, a lot of them were because of the podcast. A lot of the stuff that I watched that was new to me this year, either like new to me again or just I had never seen because of generational stuff, a good majority of them were were because of us talking and doing this. This is the one that stands up the most though of like, I'm so happy that I watched this. And when I tell you I'm happy I watched it, it's even more impressive. It didn't exist to me. Like a lot of the stuff that we've done, like even Gung Ho and stuff we've done with Would You Watch are movies that I'm familiar-ish with. Like I know they exist in the world. This movie literally didn't exist. I never even heard of it. So to like it this much is really kind of special and neat. So Breaking Away, number one, for sure. Awesome. Ah, I love that. It's funny because during the prep, I was like, should I remind him to think about the One You Watches? Because I know he's seen a few of those. And uh, (laughs) I didn't want to, but you know, I didn't want to, uh, impact the outcome to uh to have you know maybe i'll watch breaking away again right before the end of the year i haven't seen it oh i watched that last half of it but i kind of want to put it on and see if like my kids take to it like it was just there in the background while we're doing a jigsaw or something like that it's a little slow for i think it might be a little slow for your kids because it was it's it it gets very again it's very deliberate it's a real deliberate pace so there's something we should we should have that chat about good and bad pacing because while i was watching tron and while we had our sort of joke watch of uh, Weekend at Bernie's, you could feel there was something, they're slow, 
but they're they're slow for the wrong reasons. Whereas Breaking Away has that work, and I, I want to rewatch to just try to understand why. Like, why does their builds work and others don't? Yeah, we should definitely explore that because it is really yeah. it's very interesting. Yeah. All right, great pick. I'm going to do. I'm going to do one that I have a hunch is also actually going to be on your list. Uh, and it will be the only one that I would guess we both have in common. I'm not going to give away the date this time because it's too impactful. Metacritic score of 85. IMDb 158th of all time. A 74.5 on the top of my spreadsheet. Uh, I can't give away any real cast. So I'll just do the five word thing really quick is shallow man seeks meaningful life. Uh, this is probably soul. It is. <laughs> yeah. So I'm very happy you picked this because I was stuck between picking this or something else. And now that you picked it, I can let you have it. So go ahead. <laughs> All right. I, I was I was wagering it would make your, your final roundup yeah. here. Now, I'll say straight up, there will be no spoilers. I'm not actually really going to talk about the plot of it too much. Uh, I'll just deal with it at a very high level. So if you have not seen it, uh, there is nothing I've written down which I, I deliberately wrote this one word for word just so that I would not accidentally give away a moment for a movie that came out four days ago. <laughs> right. So if we, if we haven't, if we, if we can get away from not spoiling usual suspects, I think we can get away with not spoiling soul. <laughs> uh, yeah. And other than like, I mean, Jamie Foxx and Tina Fey are the main cast. Everybody else is like really small parts. I didn't know if you know Graham Norton or not. I don't know. Graham Norton, Graham Norton, listen, as as hard as I lean into British humor, you think I don't watch the Graham Norton show almost like more so than I watch anything else in the US? Trust me, I love Graham Norton. I thought you were gonna make up like one of those Hollywood nicknames from like, oh, the Grey Nort. I watch Grey Nort all the time. <laughs> I wish I did. All right, here we go. Uh so why Soul? I think if the team behind Soul knew what the world would look like in December 2020 when they set out to make it in 2016. This is actually the exact movie they might have created. Uh, I think without trying to get heavy or anything, but given like that the joke of this year is that 2020 itself is this massive dumpster fire. <laughs> and I don't want to lean into that any further than that statement, but also on the notion that like humans around the world for one reason or another are suffering through this year. And soul navigates right into the heart of the topic of basically the purpose of life itself and comes out the other side of the topic in what I think is a really effective manner. The story tackles obsession, depression, loneliness, insecurity, lots of the ishuns, and in a way that makes it okay to actually talk about these things with ourselves, with our loved ones, with our friends, whoever. It's like if Pixar was putting together this university course on the inner workings of the mind and we were to say that Inside Out was like the freshman year class. This is at least the sophomore, maybe even the, the junior year. It's not as tear-jerking as Coco, but I think it might be the most meaningful movie that the Pixar team's ever put out. I loved it. I encourage everybody to see it and have their own personal experience with it. And that's just what I wanted to say about it. Beautifully stated. I so want to talk to you about this movie in detail, and we're not going to do it on this podcast. I think we should do a, the and I just watched with this because for people who have seen it, I want us to be able to, to discuss it in, yeah. in like openness. It was I agree. This is at least a three hundred one in emotion. <laughs> like this is not a one hundred one yeah. class. It's a three hundred one class. Uh, I don't know if I agree that 
Inside Out is such a special movie to me. This one, I, I agree. The timing was perfect. They nailed it. It's so beautifully done. Uh, it's a great pick, and and I want to I want to leave it there. Very well said, Jeremy. Thanks, buddy. I didn't know, by the way, the director is the same guy who did Inside Out and Up and Monsters Inc., which all deal with different elements of 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 like. There's clearly a, a thing going on here. I went reading yeah. a bit about them and how they picked. Why, by the way, why he's a musician is kind of interesting. They wanted like a a career choice that everybody could aspire to. Like it was interesting. Yeah. 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 All right. Let's do that. Let's have a, let's have a spoiler, spoiler filled. I just watched the episode soon. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I will piggyback off of that and use that to, for my next pick. So my next pick is going to be March 6th of 2020. And it was a 61 on the old Metacritic. March 6th. So this is like, this is, Literally the week before lockdown. What was in theaters the week going into uh, that? Don't go too deep into the theater thing. Uh, uh, okay. All right. These guys sort of opened the door for, for a lot of what happened for the rest of the year, in my opinion. So I'll give you some cast, although I have to be care- careful with who. Uh, Ali Wong, Wilmer Valderrama, Octavia Spencer. I love this cast, but I'm not sure it gets better. So here's my five words. D&D bro and nerdy little bro do a magic with a lot oh, of relative. I forgot about this movie. Ah. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't remember. If it's, either, it's either onward or upward. It's onward. Onward. Yeah. Yes. Oh, good choice. Ah, see, that, was, that wasn't in my watch history because it's on one of my kids' profiles. But yeah, good sure. choice. Yeah, so Onward this year, again, I will not do spoilers because it did come out recently. Uh, it is a beautifully thought out. It's only, The 61 on Metacritic, I think, is unfair. It's better than that. It's that's not a 90, but that's low. Like, that's yeah, what, inaccurate low. What's the general? Was there a sentiment, like, what it's missing? I, gotta I, get I, I, don't, I didn't look into it any deeper than that's too low, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but so the anchors of this cast are Tom Holland and Chris Pratt. Julia Louis-Dreyfus is in this as well. It's a really, really, really good story. Um, heavy on the heartstrings. Uh, you know, I'm trying like I really don't want to talk too much about it because this one, it, it is worth seeing. I don't know if everybody has seen this yet, so I don't want to spoil it. However, again, in this, in this very similar vein to Soul, like this is just a very, very thoughtful very well done kids movie that has a really, really important sentiment to it. And I just thought it's also really fun to watch. Like it's also an enjoyable movie. There's not like big, scary stuff, which matters to me because I got a four year old. Uh, <laughs> it was just really good. I just thought it was really, really good. And I really enjoyed watching it. And on your spectrum or on your scale, uh, I would love to see this in theaters because there's a couple really cool scenes and it's beautiful because it's animation. Uh, and also I think it's highly rewatchable. We've watched it like I think two other times, probably. I was going like, to ask like how many times has London seen it? Yeah, so we've only done it three times because it is sad. Um, this this one is a real sad movie and deals with like old school Disney death stuff, which is just like their, right. that's their that's their jam. Um, <laughs> it is. I mean, it's just kind of their thing. No, it's true. All that's <laughs> going in my head is like Mufasa, Bambi's yeah. mother, Bambi. Does Bambi die? Frozen, dead parents. Frozen. It's just everything's dead parents. So that, that's not a spoiler. If it's a Disney movie, you should just walk in expecting dead parents. Should be Disney minus. 
too soon? No. <laughs> that's that's a really good dad joke. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I aspire. <laughs> it's it, you don't have to. You you nailed that one. Uh, yeah. So anyway, Onward's a very good movie. You should see it, and it's it should be higher rated than sixty one. And I don't know why it is. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm really going to go look that up. I would have I would have pegged this as a mid seventies kind of movie. Like, yeah, it it is. Uh, yeah, this and feels agree- this feels seventy eight to me all day. Yeah, I. By the way, I put Soul as a ten out of ten on the theater worthy. I think the, the 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 first time you're dealing with the bigger picture stories, just the visuals are so stunning. Dude, forget the visuals. I'm going to be really nerdy about music for a minute. I know we're supposed oh. to be talking about Onward, but there and this is not a spoiler. There's a scene where they introduce a sax player, and if you told me it was real life. I would have, it was visually incredible, but even on my, I, I want to play that on my, like I have, I'm a, an audiophile. So I have like my big music speakers upstairs, like in my office. I want to, I want to music nerd out and see how that image is because I promise you it's perfect. Yeah. Like I promise you it's absolutely perfect. Worth doing. Yeah. It's probably one of those movies that like the trivia on the music alone hasn't come out yet. But as you said, going back to Onward, I agree by the way. I saw it, um, thought it was really, really well done. Love the love the visuals. Actually, Onward was. I remember watching. Did you see a few years ago the Netflix? Uh, what was it called Bright? Yes. Onward was like Bright done properly, just better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yep. we we made this this sort of yeah the D D fantasy kind of world, but we didn't just make it where orcs are bad guys. Like you know, we yeah. got a little bit more creative than than orcs bad, elves good. And, and end of story. Yeah. One of the things I was most impressed with about Onward, now that you mentioned that, is like it, it was really easy to settle into their universe. Yeah. Like they did a really good job of setting the stage in the first like five minutes as to what's going on here. And you just go, okay. And then they don't deviate or break from it throughout the rest of the story to the point where you're like, I'm confused. You're just like, yeah, I get it. This makes sense. <laughs> right. Right. All right. Stick in, uh, your was oh no, yours was twenty twenty. So I'm going to twenty nineteen here. Oh, should I just okay. do reverse cron? Would that be fun? Why not? No, I don't want to do that. I'm going the way I got it. November twenty seventh, twenty nineteen, with a Metacritic score of eighty two and a spreadsheet score of seventy point five. No adjusting for personal nostalgia points whatsoever in my ridiculous little spreadsheet. Okay. Nothing. Nothing from just that. All right. The, the cast includes Jamie Lee Curtis and Christopher Plummer. Oh, this is Knives Out. Yes. It's on my list. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Family drama, white sweater, whodunit. <laughs> Midnight, Orient, Midnight Orient Express in-house. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah, I have a, my, I have a note on like uh, very Agatha Christie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So for me, this is uh, not a big discussion here. This is the, hey, look, we can still tell lots of fun stories without devolving into tons of tropes, like way too many twists, way too much violence, way too much innuendo. It's fun. It's well-written. It's clever. It's, again, it's very Agatha Christie. We, this is how more movies used to be. Like, Mm -hmm. just very plot-driven, good characters. People say it's like a remake of Clue. I I don't really think so because I think this one actually takes itself as a mystery much more seriously than Clue does. And I love Clue yep. as does Kay, we all know. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but I uh, I enjoyed it. And I also, after watching it, 
was more surprised at Rian Johnson's take on Star Wars uh, after watching this because I thought he made such a tight script. And I don't mind what he did in in his storytelling as as Last Jedi went, but how untight a script it was. It it was very interesting how those things paralleled because I went into this expecting it to be kind of messy, one too many scenes or sequences that you didn't really need. But no, everything held up great. Michael Shannon was great. Don Johnson was great. Love it. What about you? Yeah, I. so I'm going to keep this on my list because everything you just said. This one, so Midnight on the Orient Express is like one of my favorite movies of all time, like just like conceptually because I like even the remake that they recently did. Like I really like what you what you said. Don't overdo it. Right. Clue is like a parody, but well done. Right. right. Like it's a satire of the more serious movie. Clue is if the Wayans brothers in the late 90s <laughs> did live out. Yes, that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. yeah. You know how most of the time we're, we're finding like some film from the 80s or even before that's now it's like remade in some whole new way. This is like like the transgression of that. That's exactly right. That's perfectly said. So I agree with everything that you said about this movie. I thought it was really tight. I didn't think there was any bloat. I thought it was like, there was no like needless gore or misdirection. It was literally just, it was, it was appropriately confusing. It was like, Oh, I don't know. And then they like, you know, it comes to the finish and you're like, Oh, I get it. And it's not like aliens. Like, you know what I mean? Like I just thought it was really, really well done. And this one for me probably wouldn't score super high on the see it in theaters thing, but highly rewatchable because great character development, amazing cast. I thought Michael Shannon, I'm glad you said him specifically because Daniel Craig was great. Chris Evans was great. Amanda Armas was great. Michael Shannon was so good in this role. <laughs> like yeah. he was so good. <laughs> I'll tell you someone else who was good that I don't love her acting all the time as a uh, Tony Collette. She was also I, very good in this. She was good. Like, uh, did you see what I can't remember the the United States of Tara? Did you ever see that show? I didn't. No. She plays someone with um, I, don't know, I think it's like a dozen personalities. She's really, really good. It's a, it's of all of her performances where I've liked her the most. This is my now instant second to that as far as uh, Tony Collette performances. She just takes she really runs with that character in a way that I think is very unexpected and fun. Yeah, that's actually that's a really good point because I I always think of her as. Uh, She's always Little Miss Sunshine for me. Is that what she's in that, right? Oh. She's the mom in that. No, I don't. Is it her? It could be her. Yeah, she. no, it is her. It totally is her. It is. And that's like, because she was also in The Sixth Sense for like, whatever, <laughs> for, for half a second. But uh, I really liked her Little Miss Sunshine, but I've also seen her in a lot of stuff where I'm just like, eh, she's underwhelming. I thought this was perfectly cast. I thought everybody was good. I actually thought... Uh, Christopher Plummer is so good. Yeah, I just really like Knives Out. I'm going to keep this on my list and you get to go again. That's how much I like this movie. It was great. Nice. All right. I'm uh, I'm going to do my only entry that is a uh, new to me, renewed to me category. Uh, it's from October 17th, 1956. Oh it scored a solid 65 in my spreadsheet there. I'm going to give you the director because you don't know him. His name is Michael Anderson. Okay. Uh, Mr. Anderson. And the lead is David Niven. Okay. And the, the second lead would be an, a man named, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce it correctly, Contenflas. I have no idea what you're talking about. All right. The five-word description. 
Superman did this in seconds. Superman did this in seconds. Fly over a building. I don't know. You're, 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 you're on to it. Expand. Oh, wait. Is this King Kong? No. He can jump over a building. He can leap. Why can't I think of the actual thing? Leap over a building. Fly <laughs> I can't think of the actual words. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. Around the world in 80 days. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we re- <laughs> rewatch this with the kids over the break. Or for me, it was a rewatch. I haven't seen it since I was probably in my twenties. I will say I don't remember the exact clock length. It's 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 like a three plus. This is it had a full on intermission, uh, yeah. like straight up full two or no two fifty five. Sorry, but there's a point where the the intermission logo comes up on screen. It's got some pacing issues a couple of times. There's a bullfighting sequence that goes on far too long. There's a in fact everything that happens in Spain happens takes too long to happen. Everything else, though, maybe the San Francisco sequence, everything else is tightly done. It's fun. They have crazy sets. Most of it's actually done on set. They do a bit of in-location stuff. It's just a fun romp around the world. I, I, I won't. I, I don't know if it would be a spoiler to, to imply where this goes. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so either. But the way the story is told, David Niven's character, he's so perfectly British to that throwback of British Britishness that, that I, that I can't quite describe it. Like he is this, he is the ultimate Phileas Fogg. He's perfectly on time. He's as anal as can be yet underneath it all has this heart. You know, he's got a heart. He's got his own little, he's, he's a little off kilter and the action sequences are fun to watch. Again, it, it's made in a time where certain things are a little awkward, but, for the most part, it's not bad. What was crazy is reading more about, again, I, I hope I don't mispronounce his name, uh, an actor named Content Floss, who was basically the biggest actor in Mexico in the 50s and I think 40s as well. Like huge at a level, like I want to say Brad Pitt, except bigger than Brad Pitt because there weren't others. It would be like... Uh, Humphrey Bogart in his biggest times, or maybe Jimmy Stewart or something like that. This wow. guy was the biggest actor. He had series of movies that he was known for. He was in, I think, 50-odd movies. And so much was, was so well regarded for his performance in Around the World in 80 Days that Hollywood brought him to do his own movie in the U.S. called Pepe, which was a huge disaster. Like... <laughs> I almost want to go find it and watch it because of how bad it's supposed to be. But I'm not going to. Anyhow, back to Around the World in 80 Days. The other thing I like about it, it introduced the concept of cameos. So there's a scene happening. And you start to realize as you were watching that there's some pretty big actors in this taking really minor, minor parts. Uh, John Gielgud takes a a minor role and he's like a mainstay British actor. Um, There's Shirley MacLaine's in it in a small part. But most interesting was the use of one Frank Sinatra. Hey, Mickey Blue Eyes. Who turns around, he's playing um, the player piano in this bar in San Francisco, again, the 1800s. And he turns around, stares right into the camera, says absolutely nothing, and turns back to playing. (laughs) That made me go up and read about how all this was done and was that a big thing or not. And uh, 
it's the thing that it also got the most flack for. People are like, why do you have Frank Sinatra in this movie if he's not going to do anything? That's right? Because somebody had to invent the cameo. And yeah. it turns out it was these guys. That's great. So, look, I could easily shave easy 30 minutes off this, probably 45 to an hour. But you don't have to. It's not bad. It's not It's not that awful pacing. Like, again, I'll go to the Weekend of Bernie's now. We're going to need the Weekend of Bernie's Award or something. Where you're 30 minutes into a movie and there's literally zero plot advancement. It's just more like you're establishing kind of is going to do this bullfighting sequence. But they do three bullfights to get there. They could have done it with one. So right. it's not like um, it's not like just completely superfluous stuff. It's just a little slower buildup than it needed to be. Uh, but I would give it a watch, my friend. I would I would say it, it's definitely worth it. And for my excitement in 2021, we should be getting our treat of uh, one of my favorite actors, David Tennant, who was their remaking around the world in 80 days with him as uh, Phileas Fogg, which I've got to assume will be awesome. Awesome. That's all I want. Yeah, he doesn't miss for me, so I'm assuming it's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good pick. That's my new to, what was it, what are we calling it? New to, renewed to me? Uh, renewed to you. Yeah, definitely didn't see that coming, but that's the nice thing about this list is it's kind of hard. You have no idea. It could be anything. <laughs> yeah. All right, what's next for you? All right, I'm going to go with, this is like, this is my one like sentimental pick. So June 28th, 2019, with a 55% on Metacritic. June 2019? Yes, sir. Hmm. June 2019th with a 57? <laughs> no, June 28th, 2019 with a 55. With a 55. It's not John Wick 3, is it? No, it's not. All right, give me something. Okay. Uh, I'll give you the cast is tough. Uh, Sophia DiMartino, Lily James. Lily James is probably the, the easiest one. Nothing yet. What about Himesh Patel? Oh, is this uh, yesterday? This is yesterday, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that movie. I, I, it's funny, this was on my bubble because I couldn't remember, was this a 2020 or 2019 watch? And then I sort of settled in. I felt it was last fall for me. So I definitely didn't see this last year because it's a Beatles movie and I really wanted to. But then I was also just like, this isn't a movie I need to see in theaters. I'll wait. And I just waited too long. And it was just gone. And I was like, I guess I got to wait now. Uh, And so we watched it this year. I'm an enormous Beatles fan. I thought this was a really, really sweet take on the story. The music was wonderful. I didn't think it was... It wasn't like a brilliant film. The 55, I think, is probably a little low. But like, if it was in the 70s, I'd have been like, that's too high. This is a fun movie. But like... In the list of everything that I watched this year, like I, this is a really fun popcorny. This like would be a perfect TNT mainstay. Throw this on; it's not offensive. Sure. There's nothing bad about it. There's no villainous stuff. It's just like quirky, fun, and it has one of the best soundtracks of all time by one of the greatest songwriters of all time. So I actually just really, really enjoyed it. And there's other stuff that I saw that was probably better as far as like composition and like thoughtfulness and whatever. This is just a really good movie. I like this movie. I enjoyed it a lot. I probably agree with everything you're saying. I think it. I think the movie suffered because it wasn't sure what it was. I think I the reason it's a 55 is it wasn't quite sure, is this a comedy, a rom-com, a straight-out romance, or actually some like 
pseudo coming of age, grappling with fame, lying drama kind of thing. And I felt it never picked a lane and kept dabbling between all four of those. So I'll, I'll, I'll piggyback on that. The thing I think it struggled with is I think it could have done all four of those things if it figured out if it was a sci-fi movie or not. Because there was a, there's this underlying current of this is magic that they just sort of don't address, which makes all the other factions to me hard to reconcile, right? Because it's like, this isn't a, by the way, this is not a spoiler. It's in, it's in the trailer. Like something happens and then all of a sudden the Beatles don't exist and this guy starts using their music. But then they build a rom-com right. and a coming of age and a fame-based thing off of this sort of just accepted as truth. But then they have these other weavings of, is it true or is it not true? And then that sort of, I think, throws the other archetypes out the window. And you're like, what's going on? That I do think was a mistake. All of that said, I think what they, if you stay in the lane they're in, in any moment in a scene, they're all pretty well done. And I really liked it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I agree. Like it, it, it leads you to think there are several times throughout the movie where you're like, is he going to just wake up or something? Is this the actual, did he shift right. to another universe? Is this permanent? Is this not? And you yeah. shouldn't be wondering for the rest of the movie. That's it. It's that, yeah. that's the undercurrent because right. there's that undercurrent. You can never land in any other, in any of the other ones. Cause yeah. you're like, at what point does this become, is this a science? Is this sci-fi? Like if they got rid of that, I think they could have jumped between those other things a little more successfully. I think Maybe. mostly I agree. I think they might have had to drop something. I think it, I fe- it felt like just being a little too much. I think I think to me it was fundamentally, are you kind of this – it's sort of – this is going to sound like a really weird analogy. Do you ever see Get Him to the Greek? <laughs> yes. So Get Him to the Greek is – you know it's – it's, it, the story is this guy is struggling with fame and it's written as a pure comedy with like hijinks. And then you're like – just a couple of really poignant moments. But the fundamental thing is that it's a comedic take on the struggle of fame. Yes. This this is where I don't think you could give that same description to. Is it a comedic take on this or a serious take on that or et cetera? And don't yeah. get me wrong, if that movie popped on right now, I'd probably just watch till the end because it's fun to watch. Um, I also think it suffers from a, from a week. Like its ending does not land, like which which all comedies suffer from, but this one I felt a little harsher than I want. Like I wanted, I wanted slightly more out of the ending in a way. You yeah, know? I think that, that's fair. I Listen, I actually think your Get Him to the Greek analogy is a perfect one because that movie knew exactly what it was and for that right. reason was actually pretty successful doing so. Yeah, you this can hate it. It's, it's not like a great, I'm not like, oh, there's this, let me tell you about this, you know, Lifetime Achievement Award-winning film. Right, you right. Must, you know, they're not renaming awards after it. Um, yeah, but like, but you said it right. Like, it knows what it wants to be. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, this listen again. There are movies for sure that I saw this year that I was like, this is probably better than yesterday. But yesterday, if I had to re again using your rubric, if I had to rewatch it and the cast and the moments that I liked the most, this one stands out above the others. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy to accept it for its flaw. Like I said, fifty five seems a little low. Seventy would have been too high. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give it – I think it should be low 60s, and then if they could tidy it up a little bit more, it could have easily vaulted way higher. Oh, it could have snuck into the high 70s if they yeah. if they just landed it. Yeah, I agree. All righty. Uh, I'm going to – I'm switching up my order for my last two really quick. December 6th, 2019. Okay. 
Metacritic of 94. Has a 66 in my spreadsheet. I have no idea. Directed by Noah Baumbach. I might pronounce his name poorly. Baumbach. Baumbach. Yep, Baumbach. I know who he is, but this is not ringing a bell at all. The movie is Black Widow versus Kylo Ren. Oh, I didn't see this. This is Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson, and I really, really want to see this, but we've just never gotten around to it. What's it called? Marriage Story. Marriage Story. Yeah, I really want to see this because I love Adam Driver. Uh, Yeah, go ahead. This is a great movie. It's just like, this is a great film, like straight up. It's the, I I think if it weren't a Netflix direct-to-streaming thing, this would have been maybe a Kramer versus Kramer level of, touching i don't know if it's an anti-love story i actually think of it as a love story just told in a a weird direction um i think it's a hard movie in a lot of ways and that's probably what makes it good i i I think i give it a one rewatchable because i don't want it's it's in that list of movies that i watched adored the filmmaking you know you you have to you sort of you hate the story but love the story at the same time because yeah. Without you know, no spoilers, but it is about the end of a marriage, right? Like that's the right. whole point of the thing. Adam Driver and Johansson's performances are off the charts in this movie. As much as I, I actually always felt Adam Driver was miscast in Star Wars. Uh, I think he's just perfect in this movie in every way. His range of emotions, like he's, I, I had never seen him act like this and i know he is known he's like he's known as a strong actor my only exposure to him had been through um through through the star wars series and not baby driver the other one uh lucky logan Lucky with logan. With, with, uh, with also with daniel craig anyhow uh and same for uh for scarjo here i think she was on her game right i think she's often been placed in sort of a younger woman's roles because she looks younger than she is and here she gets to be the grown-up and, and really performs as a, I mean, she's a very um, uh, split, split mind, uh, not split minded, just a conf- conflict, conflict ridden soul in so many ways. It's such a touching story and it deals with real human emotions in a real way. And I just, I, I thought it was brilliant. Uh, watching them both deal with their journeys, their truths, there's no real protagonist nor antagonist. There's no, it's just a lovely film again on a very hard topic and, and it's, and it's going to hit you, but it's, it's beautifully done. And I don't usually put movies like this in my list. Cause as a, as I've grown up, I've sort of stopped watching movies like these, but this one was kind of in that gotta watch it. So I did. And I'm glad I did. Yeah, I have no excuse for not seeing this other than it's such a serious topic that like I just feel like I need to be in the mood to sit down and watch this movie. And everyone that I know who I respect their opinion on film in any way, shape, or form, even just like buddies who I have similar taste with who have seen this have walked away going, unbelievable. Probably won't watch it again, but it's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, I want to see it. I really, really want to see it. Well, you, you've you've said that well. Like, I would just say, like, there's no, there's no particular rush to see it. Put it on that list of when I'm in that movie for this heartfelt, serious, heavy drama that may, may well, you know, you may need the box of tissues, maybe not, depending. You know, watch it then. Otherwise, don't for it. Like that was the move I was in. I was like, all right, I've been told to watch this. My wife wanted me to see it. Friends wanted me to see it. 
But again, I don't want to watch it until it's that right moment. And then there was that right moment. And I was like, boom, I'm watching it right now. And it was great. Perfect. Okay. Well, I will definitely, it, it will be in that. I like to refer to those as back pocket movies. Like sometimes you're in the mood for like, I haven't watched the new spoiler alert, but <laughs> I haven't watched the new bad boys yet because I have to be in like, I need, I need two and a half hours of silly. I need to be in a silly mood to just like do that. And I really want to see that one. Right. This I'll, I'll watch that with you. I would love to co-watch that with you. I have, uh, I have to assume, by the way, I haven't read a thing about the movie, but they probably get the bad guy. Yeah, and probably in like Michael Bay, Fast and Furious fashion. I can't wait. It's probably great. Yeah. All right. So this is my last one, uh, which, yeah, I'm actually excited to kind of talk about this a little bit. So November 8th, 2019, uh, it has a 58% on Metacritic. And I'm going to tell you right now, that is garbage. That's wrong. They're wrong. Like, like it should be lower? It should be way higher. <laughs> okay. November 8th, 2019. All right. Give me something more. Uh, so I'll give you Sam Rockwell and Stephen Merchant. Sam Rockwell. What did he do last year? Yeah, this is, I'm, I'm being a little playful with the characters on purpose. Stephen Merchant was in Logan, but that, not Logan. Yeah, he was, right? He was, but that's not what I'm talking about. No, of course not. Cause that was, I think that's 2018 actually. Uh, all right. Give me, you got one more. You got a little, got a little more for me. Sure, I'll give you uh, imaginary friend bad, peace good. Imaginary friend bad, peace good. Uh, this is going to bug me now. Sam Rockwell. Hmm. All right. You want you want to just so, tell me, or you want to give me one more thing? So Scarlett Johansson's also in this, a good ScarJo again. This isn't her. Nope. And it's not Iron Man 3. Adapted and written by Taika Waititi. Oh, is this Jojo Rabbit? This is Jojo Rabbit. Haven't seen it yet. Damn it. I, this is on that list of everybody tells me to watch. I, I am so genuinely confused how this is a 58 with the exception of the fact that maybe it offended some people because Hitler is an imaginary friend. And that might be a stretch. That being said, this movie is so well put together, like so heartwarmingly, terrifyingly well put together and well acted. It is an atrocity to me that this is not better regarded because I just I can't imagine a world where people saw this and went meh like if you can just take it for face value and be like okay this is an absurd premise right based on one of the worst things that ever happened in the world and then places you in the shoes of a kid on in the German side of things and then brings you to love and understand it is such an amazing thing that they were able to do and like I walked into this movie going, how do you laugh at this? And I laughed a lot, like a lot. It's really, really clever. Like it's very, very, very clever. That's why I want, that's what I've heard about. That's why I want to see it while you were talking there, which was very well said. I did a quick, I wanted to check one thing while you were, while you were saying that. Do you, do you remember the movie life is beautiful? Yeah. Italian, uh, yeah. Bernard Benigni. Yeah. 
So that one has a 59 on Metacritic. And I have a hunch that people don't like to mix comedy with their Holocaust movies. Which, on behalf of, uh, of, of the Jewish people, I can understand why people would be uncomfortable doing such a thing. You know, it's I, not a yeah. comedic topic. I totally get it. Like, I totally do get it. But the reason, and again, as, as not a Jewish person, maybe this is insensitive and I apologize if that's the case. But the way that they do it, like, if you watch it, right? If you watch it, first of all, they are thoughtful, obviously, of, of certain things. They also tell a lot of hard truths. Like they didn't make it a comedy. They made the best of what is one of the worst situations in human history, of recorded human history. But like the way they tell the story and how they unfold the story and the sentiment with where it ends versus where it starts, I it's really, really, really good. Like it's just so well done. And the fact that they can make you laugh during it, I think is a real credit to the writing and directing and acting because it's not – at no point do you forget what's going on. You know what I mean? Like in that sense, it's incredibly successful in not making it satirical or supposed, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's firmly planted in what was happening and it, it points out to the absurdity of a lot of what was going on in like a probably potentially offensive way to some people. And I can see that I'm not arguing that at all, but I don't know, man. I just, I really, I think it's highly rewatchable oddly enough. Um, I think it was incredibly well done. It is visually stunning, which is weird to say, but there's like two or three like, you know, Wes Anderson moments of like composition in frame and how they do certain things that are just really beautiful as far as filmmaking. I also want to go on record. Thomas and McKenzie plays, she's in this movie. She's, she's a young actress. She's I think 20, but she plays somebody even younger in the film. Just yes, Thomas and McKenzie is going to be famous. She's going to be an incredible actress. She's so good. She was so, she was heartbreakingly good in this. And I wound up watching a bunch of interviews with her after because I'm like, how is this young woman like this well grounded and this like how does she have this much emotion at this age? She's so well put together in all of her other interviews and stuff too. Like I'm really excited to see her mature and, and do more. She's really really talented. Jojo Rabbit's a really good movie. I think you should see it. Oh, I'm absolutely planning to see it. It's uh, it just keeps it keeps making that like I know I need to be in the right space for it. I can't just be in silly comedy mode. I've got to be in silly comedy by a director I love that takes place during the Holocaust. Mode. Yeah, it's like a it's a sobering movie, right? Like there, it's yeah. very sobering. And and again, just to set your expectation for when you see it you do need to be in that mode. Like it's not just no, a, ha, yeah. ha. like they don't ha ha the whole thing. It, it, there's moments of genuine intensity and they don't shy away from it. So for that reason, you should be, it's definitely a particular move, but I do think the 58 is just, it's, it's unfortunate to a certain extent because I actually think it deserves better than that. Cause I think considering what they tried to tackle, understand, you know, acknowledging it's a big thing to tackle uh, how well they did. it, I think is nothing short of, of really impressive. I got to be honest, I'm very surprised that that Metacritic score, I have yet to hear a person tell me about that movie with anything but affection, right? Now, different different ver- variations on what they liked about it, but everybody I know has seen it uh, has good things to say about it. Yeah, th- this, this score sort of screams to me, we can't give it a high score. Right, it's like liking <laughs> someone who gives sad news. Like, you just sort of don't quite do that, even though... I, I honestly think people were hamstrung by the fact that it's handling what it's handling. And they're just like, there's no way I'm not going to give something that made Hitler an imaginary friend an eight out of 10. I can't right. do it. Like right. I just can't do it. It's, yeah. Um, 
I hear it. Well, I'm going to stay my last picks also on a heavy topic. So, but also somehow sets a non heavy. Well, it's a heavy movie, but you'll, you'll know what I'm getting at. December 25th, 2012. Notice that's my second December 25th entry of the day. Yeah, it is. Metacritic 81 IMDb of 58, which I also found low and a spreadsheet of 67.5. Hmm. I don't know what it is by date. Crazy cast. So let me see if I can give you a couple people that might that aren't as well known for being in the movie, uh, but you'll still probably get it. One is uh, Carrie Washington, and the other that I wasn't going to say at first, but now that you did Breaking Away, Dennis Christopher of Breaking Away has a small part in this movie. Two thousand twelve. Yeah. I'll add one more name that makes might make it more guessable. Walt, Walton Goggins. The Goggins is back. Oh, I do love Goggins. Yeah, I don't know. This is not. I'm trying to think of a, like the Christmas movie part is like kind of throwing me off. I really can't think of this. Oh, it's not a Christmas movie. It just no, came but it out, just came out on Christmas. Yeah. Right. Uh, Ex captive revenge find lost wife. Ex captive revenge find lost wife. I have no idea. I used the word captive just to try to trip you up a little bit. I would have used a very, very different word. Ex-captive, so... What if instead of captive, I said slave? Uh, I still don't know what this is. Django Unchained. (sighs) This is the second time I've not guessed this. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Go ahead. (laughs) You've seen it, right? Yeah. Yeah, because we talked about it a couple times. Yeah. I, I saw it when it came out and I've not seen it since. Got it. So I just saw it, I don't know, about a month, month and a half ago. Yep. So first I think it actually is pretty timely to watch it right now. Uh, I think given given society's sort of I don't know the right phrasing of these things, because again we're gonna deal with a heavy, touchy topic, but it's sort of a I would say that we're having a reawakening of the disparity in civil rights in this country at least, where Maybe there, there were sort of presumptions about how what, what what disparity really is and what it isn't. And I find that this movie shows a real harsh side, like a, a lot of the harshness of slavery in America without glamorizing it, without, um, but also without trying to beat you over the head about it, right? It's, it's like the opposite of... Um, of Gone with the Wind, right? It, it's established that this is done in a time where slavery happens, but whereas Gone with the Wind sort of is like showing the lightest possible version, this isn't necessarily showing the harshest version, but it's also not spending all of the movie dealing in slavery as a topic. And I think Tarantino manages to weave that theme in throughout and at no point just goes too deep into it. I think it's like this movie is like the most reined in modern Tarantino we've received. And I was thinking about this a couple of weeks ago. We were, when we were talking about, Oh, we were talking about Nick cage. Remember the, the, in our cage Travolta episode. And we were talking about how the rock was kind of his last movie before fully caging out. Yep. This this movie is after Tarantino's been given carte blanche to make anything he wants. And he did. 
right? Like that from Kill Bill and Grindhouse and all these movies are him just being like, ah, I'm just putting all this stuff on screen because I want to do these things. I find he takes it back down a notch in Unchained to really tell a story. Like he wanted to do his shtick, but didn't go too far into goriness, violence, ridiculousness. Like Inglorious Bastards is a great movie, but is like ridiculous, right? Full Tarantino. This yep. is like half Tarantino. So he leverages like his real talent as a writer of gripping dialogue, gripping scenes. And those shine throughout this movie. It lets the amazing cast with uh, Christopher Wild, Christoph Waltz, Jamie Foxx, Leonardo DiCaprio, Kerry Washington, who I already mentioned, Samuel Jackson in a part like un- unseen of Samuel Jackson before. So it lets this cast shine because of they're just given so much to work with. And I think it's basically like a modernized Western. It's, it's slow paced, but it's like the new slow where the timing is just so well done and so deliberate and, and delivered a great film. So Django Unchained was one of my favorite movies of the year, Fred. Yeah, I totally dig this. I Like I said, I've only seen it the one time, but I walked out thinking that this, I like the way you said that, this really is like half-calf Tarantino, but mm-hmm. like in, in the best way. You know what I mean? Like instead of the like cold brew, like give you the shakes, don't know how to handle yourself caffeine. This is like a, this is like a nice, keep yourself moderately like awake, but still actually be able to focus. <laughs> yeah, that's Tar- right. Tar- Tarantino. Uh, yeah, it was really well done. It was incredibly well acted. I really enjoyed it. I, it's, I saw it in 2019, so it couldn't have been on my list. But hearing you say that kind of makes me want to watch it again. So Nice. Yeah, it's worth it. Okay, sir. I think that means we are on to Pong. Are we on to Pong? I, I'm ready to Pong. I just need you to tell me one thing. Do you want me to mishmash my new-to-me versus renew-to-me or keep them in a distinct and deliberate order as I have them right now in front of me? I think you should run with whatever makes your heart smile, Jer, because I don't, I have, I only have like, so here's the thing. My list is a lot. I only have like 10 or 11 or 12 entries for Pong because the truth is, is that I have a laundry list of stuff that I watched this year that was garbage. Like what I like genuinely one, two, three, four, five, seven, seven, I'm looking at like this like handwritten list that I've been keeping throughout the year of stuff that I watched just to try to remind myself. I have like 20 movies that were just bad. That I didn't yeah. put on the list at all because I'm like they're just bad movies. Like I'm gonna, I'll say one because I don't care. I, I just finished Birds of Prey. It took me five times to finish. I just kept turning it off. I'm like I don't want to oh. watch this anymore. It's so bad. Really? Uh, it, was it worse than Suicide Squad? Uh, I would actually say it was because Suicide Squad was trying to be good and was bad. This movie was trying to like lean into the bad thinking it would make it good. And it was just bad. Oh, it's right. It's rough. It's a rough watch. So anyway, I have a bunch of those. So mine is sort of a mismatch of stuff that I kind of liked. Although like we're talking, the list goes from like 42% to like, I've got one in the nineties. Everything else is pretty bad. So I think you should jump around, sir. All right. Well, let's have some fun with it. Uh, So now I'm going to probably do this actually in order of how I'd rank them a certain way. So we'll start with the better ones and slowly regress. And then you can start chiming in with your list of what I call craftastic entries. So still getting revenge for puppy. Still, by the way, the five word stick. Still getting revenge for puppy. Uh, This is a uh, John Wick 3 Parabellum. That's right. Yeah. So I said, great, good guy, worst movie. (laughs) Nice. I used still was my clue. 
Yeah. I was a little surprised that this was a 73. I actually think that might be maybe a little high. I think John Wick 3 is the one that like, now that we're three of them, everybody's taking this really seriously as a franchise and are, 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 are forgiving sins. They shouldn't. If, if, okay. if, if I will, like I think two is that two is probably the best of them. Uh, three is the t- three is very three is like John Wick th- three the procedural, you know, it's yeah. still good. It's enjoyable to watch from start to finish, but it's not not many original touches left. I, I wish they called this John Wick three procedural. That would have been perfect. Yeah. <laughs> then could, or just John Wick dun dun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, let's do uh, sisters and and Mister long ago. Sisters and Mr. Long Ago. Uh, I got nothing. Okay. So this is Greta Gerwig's interpretation of Little Women, which I watched this year. Ah. It's So I want to talk about this movie for like two seconds because we're never going to talk about it on the podcast again. And I know it. Probably not because I've never seen it. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. It's real long. Uh, it's a 91 on Metacritic. Oh. I genuinely really love Greta Gerwig and what she does. I thought this is one of the most perplexing movies I've watched in a long time in this sense. This movie somehow managed to feel bloated and as though I didn't spend enough time with any one character. And that's a real mystery. And Mm. I don't know how she did it. Sounds very Last (laughs) Jedi-ish. Yeah, very, very. (laughs) All right, all right. Here we go. Almost made my top five on the next one. Almost. Cockney actor plays vicious gangster. Cockney actor plays vicious gangster. Cockney actor. Uh, it's this can't. Is this who's a Cockney actor? I don't even know who that would be. I have no idea. Michael Caine. Oh, Michael Caine plays vicious gangster. Uh, vicious gangster Michael Caine. I don't know. This is the other one I mentioned to you last time. It's called Get Carter. Oh, right. Get Carter. Right, right, right. Uh, still, it's one of those movies. It's now been a week and a half since I saw it. It's still sitting with me a bit. I did some more research. Considered by many the top British film ever made. And the more I was thinking about it, it still, I felt, suffered from that that 70s shtick of, wait, how is this plot holding together? Because that thing didn't seem to happen. And I don't even know what this character is doing on screen at this time. But yet is actually a really, uh, other than that problem, which happens once early, as the more I've thought about it, the more I realized, like, this is just a well-done movie before you had characters like Carter. Like, that's the thing. Nowadays, I, I would guess this is one of those movies that influenced Tarantino, for example. Like, the character is so, I mean, I, I use the word vicious gangster. It's not enough. He's just so intense. I would say it's probably inspired some of the performances like in um, Goodfellas could have been from from Kane's performance here. He's just ruthless. And I think you'd like it. So give it a watch. Yeah, I got to watch that movie. Uh, all right, let's do Braveheart character gets his own story. Is it about William Wallace? So not about William Wallace. It's about That's Robert Bruce. Oh, you had mentioned this. I don't recall. What, what is it? So this is Outlaw King. This was a Netflix one. Okay. It was pretty good. 
Yeah. It was really pretty good. Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was good. It's like a fun, like if you're into the whole like Knights Templar, you know, William Wallace sort of like, you know, King Arthur realm of things. It's a pretty good version of that. All right. Uh, I'll stick with a good one. Then I'm going to go to a craptastic next. Gang plays together. Final time. Gang plays together. Final time. Uh, is it sports or music related? Neither. Ooh. A gang plays together a final time. I have no idea. Toy Story 3. Uh, well, it wasn't the final time, as it turns out. I haven't seen four. <laughs> but at the time, you know, it seemed like that's what it was. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, okay, let's do Deadpool hires the Suicide Squad. Oh, I don't think I saw this. Is this uh, Six Underground? Six Underground, yeah. Is it worth it? It's on my to watch when I'm now. It's it's like it's a it is a one hundred percent. Listen, this was good enough to not to make it on my list of I should mention it because there's a couple moments that are fun and the action sequences are kind of good, but it's not a particularly good movie. Got it. All right, first of my craptastics, discount Jason Bourne starring Batman. All right, so discount Jason Bourne. Starring Batman. So is there, it's not Christian Bale, Ben Affleck. Which Batman are we talking here? Robin Pat, Robert Pattinson? My Batman. It's my Batman. Oh, Michael Keaton. All right. So Michael Keaton, discount Jason Bourne. Oh, I think I know what this movie is. Oh, I can't think of the name of it. What is it? American Assassin. American Assassin. Yeah, with the kid. This is the one of the kids in the wood that like the kid goes in the woods and he's like a weird ex-CIA something or other. Something like that. And I've been reading. It's funny. I'm on the fourth book of the series right now upstairs. It's called uh, Mitch Rapp is the name of the character. Yeah. Uh, there's no excuse for this movie to have been not great. And it's, by the way, if you want a good like spy thriller kind of series, books are solid. Like, well done. Fun read. I think I remember watching this. I get it confused a lot with, um, was it Pacino and The Recruit? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Was that Colin Farrell? Colin Farrell. It's got like, because the kid that's yes. in this is in something else, and I can't think of who he is. But it's got like a similar vibe to that, but newer. I thought Michael Keaton was good, but I remember thinking Keaton was good and the story was bad. Yeah, that sounds right. And okay. Keaton's good. You know, the, actually, the probably the best current parallel to it would be, uh, it's almost like season two of, of the Jack Ryan uh, show which is not right. called the Jack Ryan show because that would be awesome. By the way, Jack Ryan talk show host, but uh, it, Jack Ryan gets it, does it better. Yeah. The movie's American assassin. It's just, just mediocre. It's just disappointingly mediocre. That's fair. All right. Uh, all right. Let's do different look, historical event. Wow. Hmm. Probably say different outcome historical event would be even more accurate. And Glorious Bastards? Well, you might pretty close. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Ah, <laughs> uh, I you know, I still haven't seen that one either. That's yeah. That's a weird one that I didn't see in theaters because usually Tarantino is a I have to see you in theaters kind of guy, just because he pays yeah. such close attention to sound. I always want to see it. And that one I didn't, so I wound up watching it this year. All right. Uh first from the new renewed to me, unofficial heat sequel, Wicked Pissa. Oh, right. I'm going to be mad at myself for not knowing this immediately, but yeah. what is it? The Town. The Town. Yeah, because I made you watch that. 
You did, and I enjoyed the heck out of it. It almost made my top five of the year because I was like, this is way better than I remember it. Um, and then it just sort of it ended up, I think, at seventh. So there it is. Fair. Uh, okay, I'll do, a, I'll do a renewed to me. Writer and companion become companions. Writer and companion. Stranger than fiction? No, I'll give you. It's way older than that. I'll give you another on-the-fly one. Um, uh, let's see. How else could I describe this movie? Casual racism, beautiful woman. <laughs> Driving Miss Daisy? Breakfast at Tiffany's. Ah, <laughs> uh, I have. Um, I have this down as party girl meets good guy. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So, what do I have next? Hospitalized rom com, but with mom. Hospitalized rom-com, but with mom. What movie took place in a hospital? I got nothing. This is two in a row for movies you made me watch. And I made you watch this? Yeah. Oh, hospitalized. Okay, is this, uh, this is the big sick? Yes. Oh, but the mom's not hospitalized. No, but it takes place in a hospital. And I really felt like the relationship is between him and the mother. For like, <laughs> okay. That's the interesting dynamic of this movie to me, was the way they be- became friends while yeah, she yeah, was yeah. Uh, combing out. Okay, go. While she was combing out is a very funny way to put that. Uh, this one is easily the worst movie on my list, but I, I enjoyed it partially because I just think my, my daughter likes it so much. Iron Man goes full Disney princess. Is it Doolittle? Yeah. I heard it wasn't good. Brutal. It's it's not a good movie. Yeah, not bad. Not a good movie. Uh, I mean, it's got a twenty seven on Metacritic. Uh, it's probably a little better than that, but not a lot better than that. All right. Make talk shows great again. Make talk shows great again. Oh, is this? The, oh, you know what? You just reminded me of a movie I forgot I saw, which was the one with Mindy Kaling and. Uh, uh, oh, I can't think of her name right now. I can't think of it. Emma Thompson. Emma yeah. Thompson. Yeah. yeah it's, it's late night. Late night. This was actually a pretty cute movie. I thought yeah. that was cute. I forgot I saw this. Uh, all right. Let's do old high school friends rekindle friendship. Tag? No, but I've seen that more recently than that. Uh, no, this is actually, this is from last year. It was long shot. This was no, never Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron. She's like a politician and he's like a writer and they get, it's cute. It's a rom-com. It's a stupid rom-com, but it's cute. All right. Fortnite, the movie parentheses, better book. Ready player one. Yeah. Yeah. Ready player one's really good. That came out in 2019 though, right? Or 2018. It did, but we just watched it uh, last week. Uh, Okay. Yeah. I really like that movie. Uh, But the book's way better. Oh, the book's way better. I had some issues with the acting in that movie, but I liked it in general. You read the book? Yeah, I sure did. Yeah. I found, I think this is one of those, I wish I had seen the movie and then read the book because I think I would have enjoyed the movie a lot as opposed to noticing everything it got wrong. Yes. That, it, it was a hard one to remove from how good the book was, but it was okay. Uh, I think, so I think this is the last one I really have. No, I have two more. Uh, this is a, so body transformation jeopardizes company. I'm going to go with Shallow Hal. Uh, no, <laughs> although I wish that I watched Shallow Hal again this year because that would have been probably way more fun. Uh, no, this is Little. So this was uh, Issa Rae and Regina Hall and a, another really good young actress. Uh, what was her? I think her name's 
Marseille Martin, maybe. So this is where uh, she like turns into a, her, her, a younger version of herself, but she's like a very powerful, successful wow. black woman who owns an advertising agency. It, it was too like they could if they cut forty minutes out of this movie, it would have been a really really good movie. It just suffered from their trying to do too much for too long. Got it. Should have been more little. Yep, should have been littler. Nice. <laughs> All right, we're going to continue. Is that that was the end of your list? I've got one more after this. All right, so I won't go into rapid fire mode. Lightning superhero discount Jimmy Fallon. Oh, uh, Shazam. Yes. Still haven't seen this, but want to. It's um, it's okay. Yeah, that's. I, I think it. I, I think it's actually in the seventies Metacritic, and it really shouldn't be. It should be like mostly because the bad guys are just two one-dimensional bad guys. Yeah, this is going to be more offensive than I intended to, but like Zachary Levi's pretty okay. I like he's okay. That's yeah. kind of what I. It's what I've come to expect from him, and I like it. He is the best part of the movie, actually. Everything he does is well done. He plays the fish out of water thing, and and it doesn't go on too long in a really fun way. But the uh, it, it suffers from two problems, actually. Not only are the bad guys one dimensional, the bad guys do stuff that I consider like really vicious. For this is what's supposed to be really a kids like this is not a gritty superhero movie, right? But like one simple example is like at some point someone gets thrown out of a skyscraper, hey. like. I, you know, I get it. We're, we're at this point where we're showing all sorts of random violence and nobody seems to pay any attention, but like, just maybe do more stuff off screen or not show that. And then there seems to be this like bloodbath room or something like just a couple of things where you're like, Oh, we'll just hope that my kids didn't really notice what that might've all been about. Yeah. Fair. Uh, all right. So my last one is big guy, bigger heart. Freedom. I, I would love it if this guess was right because it's not, but I'm going to guess it anyway. One flew over the cuckoo's nest. No, but that would be very funny. Uh, no, so I rewatched Harry and the Hendersons this Christmas. Uh, <laughs> and I don't know if it's actually been 10 plus years. It might not have been. I might have seen that more recently, but it felt new to me. And my daughter watched it and laughed hysterically the whole time. So I'm, I'm Harry and the Hendersons. That will be my last entry. All right. I'll zip through these. Singing Stuffed Animals streaming sequel. Singing Stuffed Animals streaming streaming sequel feels like a big clue. Singing Stuffed Animals, uh, I don't know, cats? I don't know. Sequel. Streaming. Yeah, Yeah, but like I can't think of a sequel that was straight like a Trolls? Trolls 2, World Tour? Oh, okay. They're like stuffed animals or whatever they are. Yeah, I don't know what they are, but that's... I remember the real Trolls toy, so, you know. So do I. Yeah. All right. Uh, Hemsworth is discount John Wick. Ooh. I don't know. Men in Black? International? Extraction. I still haven't seen Extraction. Was it any good? You see at the same time I watched Six uh, Underground. Okay. (laughs) Deal. Uh, Jeff and I co-watched it. It's actually when you were sick a couple weeks back. And we both agreed it's like a solid six, but by watching it together and having fun with it and joking around, it was like a seven. So, you know, it's got a great long take that I actually went off Googling and reading about and then got a little disappointed about. But uh, there's some great scenes and, you know, it's a fun modern action movie. Okay. Suicide Squad, but with Immortals. Oh, I don't know. Old Guard? Didn't see it. 
Uh, didn't like it at all. That's in my... I, I, other people liked it. It's Charlize Theron. She was great, but I thought the story was just bored. Okay. De-aged De Niro, De Niro denied delighting. First of all, wonderful alliteration. Second of like all, this it. is The Irishman. Third of all, I still haven't watched it. It's too long. Yeah. British serve Britishy British royalty. British serve British British royalty. Um, the help. Downton. No, Abbey. no, Downton Abbey. Sorry, the help is the other one. That's funny. Yes, Downton Abbey. I forgot that was a movie. I don't know if I saw the movie. My wife probably has because she loved the series. Like we went to the art installation where we could see all the costumes and stuff in the city. Uh, okay, yeah. I don't think I, I don't. If I did see it, I wasn't paying attention. No worries. Two, three more good ones. Um, these are in the renewed to me. Silly Spaghetti Western in China. I don't know. Oh, unless it's Seven Samurai. Kung Fu Hustle. Have you ever seen Kung that? Fu uh, I want to say yes, but not enough to like maintain memory of. Did you see Shaolin Soccer? No. Oh, could be a... the same director did both those movies. They're like sister movies. Okay. Before climbing world's tallest building. Before, oh, Kong Island, Skull Island, Kong Skull Island. World's tallest building. World's oh, pardon me. <laughs> he said, "There's." I wish there was video for how much like, like how much frustration and disappointment there was in your face when you said that. No, no, no that wasn't frustration. I was trying to refresh the clue for you. I can see why you would have said that. Well, I have no idea. This is Mission Impossible 3. Oh, gosh. Did you see Mission Impossible 4? I don't remember what they're called. There's like Ghost uh, Protocol. And yeah, but that's the one where he climbs Burj Khalifa. I don't know. I don't remember, to be honest. I, like, I remember the first two and then everything after that. I'm being serious. Like I'm not trying to be funny. They all blend together for me so bad. That the I think climbing the, that building the way he does and that whole sequence is pretty memorable. I felt. I don't know. It's not ringing a bell. I mean, I'm sure I've seen it. We just watched three, and I haven't seen it since it first came out, and it was all right. Oh, fair enough. Uh, last longest movie about tablets ever. Longest movie. Oh, Moses. It's not the title of the movie though. Oh, no. This is going to be really sad. The Ten Commandments. Yes. There it is, JT. Good job. <laughs> All right, buddy. I got three more on the craftastic list. You up for that? Ready. Let's go. Still ready to dwell at the bottom with me for a little bit more? Of course. This one's just sort of a joke. I wrote, so meh, I don't remember. That was, <laughs> that was Spencer Confidential. It was uh, one of those. Netflix, it was another Netflix movie. It was a reboot of an '80s show called Spencer for Hire. Okay. But like they, you know how they rebooted Equalizer at the same time as John Wick, and Equalizer's basically Denzel being John Wick. In yeah, like the Equalizer two, not as good as John Wick two, but Equalizer one was on par with John Wick. I thought. Yeah, Spencer Confidential was so meh. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Next one: dogs plus cars, yet meh. I mean, I like dogs and cars, but I have no idea what it could be. The Art of Racing in the Rain? Oh, I have no idea what that is. It's with uh, Milo Ventimiglia. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Yeah. Milo. And, yeah. 
and uh, and the dog, played by Kevin Costner. The dog's the best part of the movie for sure. It just it just mad every level. It just it misses it misses everything it should hit. One of those. Fair enough. Fair enough. And my last one, better title. Now you don't. Oh, now you see me too. Yes. Yeah, much better title. Bad movie. We actually that, that was that was the kids had mentioned. They were who did not dislike it as much as I did. They were like they should have just called it. Now you don't. That'd be great. Yeah. And That's I agree. So that would have been a great sequel title. Yeah. That's a great sequel title. So I just uh, I, yeah, it wasn't. It was really disappointing. Too much retconning. Like the whole movie is a big retcon. Yeah, it's a it was a bummer. They just missed on every single level that they could have. We watched some good stuff this uh, this twenty twenty year we had here. Ooh. Well, I can say for sure that what's most impressive is for me and what I'm very thankful for both to you, Jeremy, and to our listeners is that there's a lot of really good movies I 100% wouldn't have watched. And even even more than that, the movies I watched and didn't like this year, I got to not like with a whole new lens because I'm watching hmm. movies differently because I know we have to do this. So like I'm taking a completely different approach to watching stuff now, whereas before, like maybe my phone would distract me or I would like go to the kitchen or whatever. I'm like dialed in when I'm watching stuff now because I don't want to miss stuff because it it adds to the pitter patter. And I really like this pitter patter. JT, I love this pitter patter. <laughs> now about the, but you know, to be fair. To be fair. To be fair. I echo what you're saying. I definitely am watching movies thinking about what I want to talk about as I watch them. I haven't gotten quite to the point of like taking notes as I watch a movie, but I've been tempted a couple of times to like, just jot down the thing like, Ooh, don't forget to say this little, this little, uh, uh, humdinger. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> what a good time. Now, that being said, we should talk about what we're going to do next week. So next week we're going to do a year ends deal. We're not going to tease it. Because there's a whole lot going on and there's moving parts. And I'm just going to be honest, things could change. So we don't want to send you down the wrong path. But instead of us picking a thing, we'll get back to picking after next week. But next week is going to be a smorgasbord of wingman. So we will be all over it. It's going to be what kind of? Smorgasbord? A smorgasbord. Oh, who? Well, I've gone out and and stocked up on all sorts of extra gear. So I'm fully ready. I've got all the, the equipment list you provided me for. I've checked all of the things off the box. <laughs> I've learned the language you asked me to learn. I, uh, you know, I'm I'm ready. I'm I'm ready. I think it's a lot to ask, but I think. Listen, I I, I believe in you. I think you can. We can do it. We can do this. Next week's going to be a lot of work, but we're going to do it. It's going to be fun. Well, look, either next week's just going to be awesome, or or it's going to be like a little now you don't. <laughs> Thank you for letting us be your wingman this year, everybody.